G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. I wonder if you've ever heard the expression, hurry sickness. The effects of hurry sickness or a culture of rush go beyond the anxiety and burnout we know that it breeds. There are other casualties, like time to reflect on the often complex dimensions of our own lives. Our guest today suggests that we can step away from our lives, sift the trivial from the meaningful, and spot the sacred moments they contain. Aussie author Sheridan Voisey has just released his latest book. It's called Reflect with Sheridan. His intent is to help create a pause in your day, to reflect on the things that matter, like joy, wonder, meaning, belonging, compassion, callings, seasons, change and hope. Sheridan Voisey is an Aussie who now lives in the UK. He's an author, an in-demand speaker and regular broadcast presenter on various programs on the BBC. Sheridan Voisey, welcome along to 2020. It's good to be with you again, Neil. Sheridan, your new book is full of stories that take readers just below the surface into some deeper waters. Is that the way you describe the stories you tell in Reflect with Sheridan? That's a beautiful metaphor, Neil. In fact, I might nick it for my next book. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what I would like it to do, to take people beyond the surface to go deep. Uh, our, our world is, particularly our Western world, is so shaped to be productive and to get more and more efficiency out of every moment. And if you then go and overlay something like COVID restrictions on top of that, funnily enough, even though that made us pause for a moment, we were still actually working really, really hard. All the psychologists will say that our brains were working twice as hard to process everyday things that we were doing because they were suddenly a lot more complex. Going to get our groceries suddenly became a lot more complex. We had to mask up. We had to queue up. We had to pick a particular time that wasn't going to be really busy, all of those things. Uh, and so... All, all that our culture is has kind of geared us up to being perpetually on. And it might be the telephone that we have underneath our pillow that's on all night, like a lawyer friend of mine who leaves his mobile phone on underneath his pillow all night so he doesn't miss a call. Or it might be like me, I'm checking my email multiple times a day, early in the morning, late at night. Uh, all of those things, it, it kind of gears us up to being always perpetually on and therefore, we don't get a moment to drop beneath the surface and really go deep. There's a whole bunch of things that are going on in our lives and a lot of meaning in our lives that we don't connect because we don't stop to pause, reflect and see those dots connect. Sheridan, Christians are often good at setting some time aside to what we say, read the Bible and pray. And that often right. turns into a time of reflection too. But for you, every book that you write starts in your journal, your own personal time of reflection. Is that connected to a time that you have where God is present there in your private space? 
It really is. And, you know, uh, this is going to sound super spiritual, but I cannot start the day without that reflection time with God. Um, and I think it's partly because I'm kind of wired that way. I was an only child for the first 13 years of my life. And then when my, my one and only sibling, my brother, came along, um, then things changed. But I was used to, by the, that stage, I was used to solitude. I was used to playing by myself. I was used to thinking about things. And so I need to have that prayerful solitude in the morning to the point where if I come in and, and just kind of get working in this study too quickly, I almost can't work. I actually duck into the little spare room we've got next door. It's unrenovated. It's nothing particularly salubrious, um, but I've just got a, a, a dining chair in the corner and that's my spot. Yes, let's reflect on scripture. Sometimes, of course, we can kind of do a bit of a checkbox approach to that too, can't we? You know, open up the scripture, read the passage, all right, tick, we've done that for the day, move on. And sometimes in our busy moments in life, we've got to do that. It's great to just have the word of God still getting into our lives, so do that. But there is something else about stopping and having unhurried time with God, and that's where you are just present and you might have some stimulus like a Bible verse that is there. And then you let that just mull around in your mind and your heart for a little bit. And you say, Lord, speak to me. What What is that meaning to me in my life right now? How would you want me to live that out right now with others? There's also a moment to uh, reflect on our lives. And this can happen really well at the end of the day. You've had a big day. You sit down. Uh, maybe you've had your meal. Maybe you've cleaned up after dinner. Uh, maybe you watch some TV. Uh, all of these things happen what about setting aside some time where you can just go back and reflect on the stimulus that was your experience and say, oh, what did that mean? What was that conversation all about? What was my rush and panic there? What was my annoyance there all about? And you can do this just as reflection or especially for us Christians, prayerful reflection where you say, God, open my eyes, open my ears to what was going on there that I might learn, that I might grow um, that I might have wisdom for my life and for maybe other people's lives as well. Sometimes when we want to spend some time reflecting, and particularly in the presence of God, our imagination runs wild under all sorts of different things. Is there a way that you can slow down your fast-thinking imagination to a point where you can focus in on this sort of reflection you're talking about? Yeah, that's a really important question, isn't it? Because so often that is uh, very much the experience. A couple of things. Firstly, sometimes the ideas and the thoughts that come into your mind during that time are actually what you need to think about. <laughs> sometimes they're actually being brought to you because you need to kind of deal with them. Other times, of course, you just find yourself going in a million different directions all at once, and that's not helpful at all. What can be really helpful in that case is pulling out a journal or just simply a piece of paper and writing those things down. There is something about getting it kind of on the paper that somehow gets it off the soul. And so to put it down on the paper, you can say, okay, right, I've dealt with that. I've, I've, I've caught the fish. I've, I've reeled it out. I've now put it in the basket. It's out, and now I'm going to chase the real thing. That can really help just to still those crazy, crazy thoughts. Now, once you're in that place and you find that there's certain thoughts that come to mind, I don't, I don't always fight them. Actually, okay, well, what that, what's, what's that all about? God, what is, is that something for us to deal with? No? Okay, moving on. Um, so it can be helpful to uh, both reject those thoughts but also accept them in time. 
So get those feelings on paper and then I imagine that even if you never go back to those thoughts, you've been able to slow down your thinking, but there might be a time when you do come back to those things that you've written down because they might be something that you might say, God has spoken to me in a quiet moment. Is that a useful thing, having a journal that you can go back to and say, I'm sure God spoke to me about this Let me just reflect on what I wrote. Oh, yeah. And you know, what some people do is actually they'll schedule in a time in their year, and it might be quarterly or it might be just twice annually, where they'll actually sit and have like a little retreat and will read back over that journal and say, okay, what's God been teaching me during this time? What have I been going through during this time? Am I seeing progress or movement? Um, You mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that all my books come out of my journals. It's very, very true. And when I wrote a book called Resurrection Year, which is all about my wife and I going through infertility and everything, I sat down, I read it through 10 years of journals. And that was all that was that was wonderful. It was difficult because you kind of relive some of those difficult moments again. But boy, it was so interesting to see how high I had grown and moved but also, Neil, to see some of the areas where I was actually spiraling. I kept on going around the same things over and over again, particularly identity. That came up so many times during those years. It's just like, I haven't moved on, have I? So there is something very, very helpful about having a journal. A quick tip for the listener. Do not ever feel like you have to write in a journal every day. That is the biggest barrier I keep on hearing from people when it comes to uh, doing a journal. Somehow this idea has gotten around. Well, if I do a journal, I've got to write in it every day. And most people then say, look, I I tried it for a couple of weeks and then I just couldn't keep up. I say, you know what? I will go months without writing in my journal. And then other times I'll have a a big flourish of inspiration or more likely a big season of stress and difficulty and I'm writing it every day just to try and process stuff Uh, it's your tool you know it's there to serve you you're not there to serve it Uh, but oh when you go back over some of those entries you can get a lot of insight as to where God's been working in your life sometimes without you realizing it at the time Sometimes we think of taking time to reflect as some sort of an optional luxury. And some people listening to us will be saying, oh, I wish I had time to reflect like that Sheridan Voisey. He's got lots of time on his hands. But you take this even deeper, Sheridan. You say that this hurry sickness is actually killing us. And there are some dramatic side effects if you don't take time to do that reflection. Yeah. Let me give you an illustration. This just shows you where our culture is at. So there used to be a chain of uh, home, like a home department store type thing here in the United Kingdom. And when you walked into their paint department, there was a big green button. And if you press that button, it set off a timer. And if you were not served within about 60 seconds, then you got a 10% discount on your paint. And it was wonderful for us as a consumer because you know you're going to get fast service. But the problem is, of course, that we all play the assistant as well, (laughs) who comes running around the corner and, you know, she's sweating and she's just had to rush up finishing up with another customer to, to try and meet us in time. We play her. We play her all the time because our culture is is built around this idea of rush and hurry. And yes, the statistics are that when we live like that and continue to live like that, stress is up. 
there's uh, there's problems with uh, there's cardiac cardiac problems and um, cardiovascular problems that happen because of that stress and that that rush that hurry sickness that is going on. Um, there is something psychological going on with that as well. There's that fear of missing out. Am I am I somehow missing out and therefore I need to run from this to that to this to that? Otherwise, I'm, I'm somehow not going to be in. I'm not going to get what is going on right now. That's a huge thing on social media. I've got to be on social media. I've got to check out everything. I've got to scroll and make sure I don't miss anything, um, let alone the crises of meaning that is going on right now. So uh, I think there is something very significant in this culture of rush and hurry that we need to be working against, actively, intentionally working against. And yeah, you might say, well, I just don't have time to fit reflection in. Um, there might be some other things that you can take out first. I have been liberated, Neil, by deleting Twitter and Instagram off my phone. I was doing so much mindless scrolling, particularly when I was tired and my my reserves were low. And so I didn't have so much kind of intentionality. I didn't have so much energy to push against what I was just doing in the end by habit liberated by that we don't have to keep up with every single post it might be tv it might be something else uh that you look just give it 15 minutes i reckon all of us can find 15 minutes to slot in and just try this out powerful insights and we'll continue our conversation in just a short while we're talking to sheridan voisey his new book is called reflect with sheridan And you can visit Sheridan's website, SheridanVoisey.com. You'll be able to get a hold of his book when you go to Kurong or Amazon, wherever you get good Christian books. And we'll continue our conversation in just a short while, and I'll get Sheridan to read some of the reflections that are in his new book. Back with more shortly. We're talking with Sheridan Voisey, who has released his latest book. It's called Reflect with Sheridan. Having spoken just about what it is to reflect, let's bring our conversation to the sorts of things that you might reflect on. Sheridan, this book is full of all sorts of stories that are really bringing the listener into a time of reflection and they cover a whole lot of different dimensions. Uh, You actually have uh, something like 70 reflections throughout your book and you cover a Mm -hmm. big, broad expanse of different ideas and different imaginations. Mm. Yeah, I mean, what I was trying to do is tap into all of the the good and the important things that our life is really built around. So joy and wonder and meaning and belonging and compassion, calling, seasons, change and hope. We could all do with a bit of hope, I think, most days. So trying to connect in with those types of things that are universal. I think this is the amazing thing about humanity is that these have always been key ideas, key values for humanity, whether we're talking about 10,000 years ago or whether we're talking about today, um, humanity doesn't change. So that's what I've been trying to connect in with. You have a focus on awe and wonder. How important is it to reflect on those sorts of things that are bigger than ourselves, uh, things that are aesthetically important, like beauty, You've you've brought yourself to uh, to reflect on these things, and they clearly are important to take us beyond the mundane issues of our own lives. 
Yeah, now you're talking my language, Neil, because um, <laughs> this is such a key area, I believe, um, for for all of us. And, you know, we all get it, don't we? You know, we probably all have a, an experience where we were sitting and watching a sunset. And it was one of those amazing, amazing moments. I remember when I was living in Perth and we were sitting on uh, the beach. And, of course, the beach is, you know, facing west and the sun is setting there on the last day of 1999. And we we're going to see the, you know, the first day of the year 2000, the new millennium open up. I remember I remember that was so amazing. I remember a time when Marin and I, my wife and I were uh, on holiday in the UK. We're up in Scotland in 2002 before we moved over here and staying in a little place called Ullapool. And uh, we were just downstairs in the hotel and I happened to look out the window and there was a rainbow ending right in front of us in the water and I went oh my goodness look at that and everybody turned and had a look at it and suddenly the whole hotel was running outside with their cameras trying to capture this this whole amazing scene of this this rainbow just ending right in front of us on the water uh, we've all got those moments now those are very precious precious moments Romans 120 says ever since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities, his immense power and nature have been seen by what has been made. There is some research done from the University of Derby here in the United Kingdom, and they found that people who reflected on nature, contemplated nature for as little as 20 seconds a day, were people who then had lower levels of anxiety, higher levels of well-being, and funnily enough, a greater interest to care for both the environment and to care for other people. Now, I think that is fascinating research. And from a Christian's perspective, I think, could it be it's because they're glimpsing something of the creator who is reflected by his handiwork? I suspect there would be some who would say this is like a sentimentalism, uh, just being sentimental about the moments that you have in your day. But there must be a connection between what people might understand as sentimentalism and a level of spirituality when you are reflecting on the awe and the wonder and the beauty of God. And that's something I suspect we ought to aspire to as Christian believers. That's such an important thing to raise. Sentimentality looks at all the beauty and it completely ignores the ugliness. It doesn't, that's the problem with sentimentality. I think somebody described sentimentality as the beautiful lie. And because it doesn't take the whole reality truthfully, it ignores it. Now, here is where the, the biblical um, worldview really comes into its own. Because we can look through everything, through the creation, even through that lovely rainbow arriving at our feet, and we can look at it through the biblical lens of creation, fall, and then redemption. Everything that is in our lives has been made good originally. Everything that is in our lives has then been sullied by what happened in Genesis 3, by the original fall of Adam and Eve and our our own um, participation in sin and evil. So everything is sullied. That rainbow would not be, uh, it, it wouldn't be as bright and as beautiful as it would be outside of a fallen world. Um, and yet redemption has happened. Jesus has come and he is recycling. He was recreating the world through the church uh, and through his Holy Spirit. And he is going to wrap this world up and kind of make it even better than it was right from the beginning. So when we look at uh, something like nature, we will see 
both beauty and we will also see some some horrible things as well we will see animals ripping each other apart and we'll see uh, other things that are just kind of rotting and dying and and seem to be just meaninglessly left to to rot by the roadside what's going on with that we can look at those things through the the christian worldview and say both have a place and yet they're all going to be you know superseded by this amazing new creation that uh, jesus is building I said I was going to get you to read one of your reflections, and so I might say, am I going to get you to read one on the ugly or on the beauty? I think we'll (laughs) go with the beauty here, and uh, you've got one. It's called The Scent of the Hidden Flower. Uh, Hit us with some of your writing here, Sheridan. I know listeners will be hanging on every word. (laughs) Well, you'll hear where the phrase comes from in just a second, and I think you'll connect with this because it is also a very Australian story. Let me read it to you. Located in the Tasman Sea, Lord Howe Island is a paradise of white sands and subtropical rainforests. Shaped like a crescent, with beaches on one side and a lagoon on the other, its crystal waters teem with life. Holidaying there once, I once spent a morning swimming with playful turtles and shimmering spangled emperors while moonrass hovered nearby, their bodies flickering like billboards. It was an experience I'd never forget. Wading waist down into the uh, lagoon that afternoon, something caught my eye. Looking down, I found a mini reef of multicoloured corals with a world of beautiful creatures scuttling around and through them. Yellow-tailed elegants rushed here and there, along with butterfly fish with vibrant black and yellow stripes, and Nemo-style clownfish with their big bulging eyes. I towered like a giant over this thriving kingdom, but the inhabitants didn't mind. When I slid a hand into the water, three butterfly fish came up to greet me. The sand, the water, the aquarium at my feet, it was so overwhelmingly beautiful, and it made me pause in reverence. C.S. Lewis once described natural beauty like this as the scent of a flower we haven't yet found. In other words, beauty like that points to a source. Now, when the Jewish prophet Ezekiel encountered God, he wasn't shown a bearded man in white clothes. Instead, he saw a brilliant blue throne seating someone as radiant as fire with colours exploding all around him. 600 years later, John the Apostle saw something similar a being sparkling like precious stones surrounded by a radiant rainbow. In the Christian scriptures, God isn't just revealed as good and powerful, but beautiful. And with the Psalms describing God as wearing creation like a coat, maybe we have found the hidden flower, the source of the world's beauty. I'll never forget that day on Lord Howe Island. And if C.S. Lewis is right, my reverence was appropriate, because I wasn't just encountering nature in that lagoon. I was glimpsing the very beauty of God. Well, makes me want to have a holiday on Lord Howe Island. That's a start, isn't it? (laughs) Me too. I want to get back there. (laughs) Wow. Hey, well written and well read too, I might say, Sheridan. And if we're topping off our conversation here, I suspect that listeners might be thinking, I need to get into some of those thoughts about beauty, those thoughts of awe and wonder. But in order to do so, you've got to be able to break the cycle of this hurry culture that we're in. Any thoughts here for how listeners might break the cycle and burst into a new opportunity here to reflect like you do? Yeah. Okay. So 
pick yourself a moment that is not going to be too hard. You know, give yourself an easy win in this regard. There will be a time in your day which is going to be easier for you to inject this into. It might be at lunchtime and you can spare a moment when you get out of the office. Instead of going and having your lunch in the in the, the lunchroom, go outside. Just go to a local park or just sit sit by a tree or something uh, just get a chair and sit around behind the back of the office block or something uh, just to be able to do that. Now, just then open up your senses, listen to the birds, watch the rustling leaves, just be present to what is there before you and then pray, be prayerful about that and say, Lord, show me, just show me what I'm missing in the world and show me what I have missed this morning in what I've experienced with my colleagues and my co-workers you might want to, again, take a copy of Reflect with Sheridan. It's there. Those stories are whole kind of written there to, to, to inject that. Like you just heard, they're just basically two and a half minutes, really, of a story. But the power of these stories, of any story, by the way, is the fact that you read yourself into them. And so you can say, oh, gosh, I would love to be at Lord Howe Island. Oh, that beauty. Gosh, that reminds me of that experience I had at Ullapool or wherever one might be. So what happens with stories is that they, they invite you in, they kind of lets you be a character in the story, and then it helps to prompt your own reflection. You will have reflections that you wouldn't otherwise have without that, that kind of st- stimulus material. Or it might be just a passage of scripture. Just take a verse and just take that verse out outside and then just pray it and repeat it and just do it nice and quietly and softly and give it as an offering to God. All of those things can help, but find yourself an easy win. Go and get outside as much as you can get away from the everyday. I do not reflect in the place where I'm talking to you now. It's surrounded by books. It's surrounded by my computer. It's surrounded by all these symbols that are saying, Sheridan, get to work. I have to go next door into the spare room. I have to go outside. And if you do that, I think you'll be on your way to to developing a, a habit of reflection. Sheridan, modern Christianity doesn't have words as frequently used as contemplation or reflection or indeed even this idea of meditation but you're taking us closer to some of those things that uh, that we might even think that have been enriching the lives of people down through the centuries of Christianity. Any thoughts here on what we might have lost perhaps if you think of what maybe monks did in monasteries in the Middle Ages to where we might be in the rush and the busyness of the 21st century? Any thoughts here on something we might glean and learn from those past experiences of, of people who have reflected and meditated on the things of God? Yeah, very much so. And the first thing would be to to recognize this is nothing new. Um, we've got a great history, a great tradition in the Christian church of doing this. The Protestant Reformation in the 16th century was so key because it really nailed down the idea that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. It really also focused on, on scriptural teaching as being the focus of uh, of our of our Christian life, the, you know, the Bible, the written word is just so important. And so now, what's happened though is that we let go of all those other lovely contemplative practices, which which also had their place. You know, when the Psalms talk about you know, uh, be still and know that He is God. Um, what about being still and just being present before God, just as you are present with another friend in the room? Why can we be silent with another friend in the room? Maybe they're reading a book and you're reading a book and you're on holiday together or something. Why is that okay? But somehow in the presence of God, we have to be reading the scripture or we have to be talking. 
What about just being present with God as if he were a friend and you are just enjoying each other's presence in the same room? That's what we're talking about. And it might be indeed very simple practices, one verse of scripture, or simply saying Jesus uh, over and over again. Um, We're not talking about mindless repetition that Jesus was, of course, um, talking against in the Gospels, where he talked about the, the Greeks who would then just go on and on and say these mindless things, completely different. They weren't meditating or contemplating on a particular word like Jesus or or God or Holy Spirit. Um, they were trying to placate the gods by keeping on heaping up all of these platitudes. Oh, the, the most wonderful, the most excellent, the most wonderful God that there is. You know, they're trying to almost um, curry God the gods' favor. That's what Jesus is talking about there. So, There is something powerful here, I think, particularly for our rushed and busy moment that we can go back to those contemplative practices and don't be afraid of them. Uh, Do what you feel is appropriate. Stay scriptural, uh, but recognize that silence is an absolute gift. Well, a beautiful way to unlock those contemplative practices may be to get a hold of Sheridan's new book. It's called Reflect with Sheridan. Sheridan Voisey is the author of eight books, including one called The Making of Us, another one called Unseen Footprints, Resurrection Year that he mentioned a little earlier. This latest one is called Reflect with Sheridan. You'll be able to get it from Christian bookstores like Kurong. You'll be able to get it online through Amazon or wherever you get good Christian books, wherever you get good books full stop. Sheridan Voisey is our guest and his website is SheridanVoisey.com. You can visit SheridanVoisey.com, find out more about Sheridan's book and perhaps even get a hold of it there through his website too. Sheridan, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with listeners today on 2020. Yeah, always good to be with you, Neil. Thanks for the time. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.